to continue in our series today on the spiritual disciplines, on the spiritual disciplines. And I get the privilege, after my little announcement, about talking about the discipline of serving. <laughs> so I get to invite you in to serve and then use scripture to convict you to serve. <laughs> I won't. Don't worry, I won't do that, I promise, I promise. But there might be certain things that automatically come into your mind when you hear that word, service. Maybe you think of the food service industry. You know, you sit in a restaurant, somebody brings you your food, somebody cooks your food, that is a service. Or maybe you think of a service member in our military or a delivery service. I, I have been frequenting uh, Grubhub and Uber Eats these days, but maybe for you it's like UPS or the Amazon guy is your preferred delivery service. Um, or maybe you think of a ministry in the church that you serve in. You see, I wonder how often, even though like, particular things come to mind when we think about serving, how many of us think about the relationship between serving and greatness? How many of us think about the relationship between serving and greatness? In today's passage that we're going to look at in just a moment, Jesus helps us see the connection between the two and how we as believers can respond. Before I go any further, though, let's pray together. Father, we thank you we thank you that we can gather as a church this morning. We thank you for a fresh outpouring of your spirit. God, I pray that you, are, that you are moving in our hearts, that you are pointing us to the truth that you want us to see and walk away from uh, this gathering this morning with. Father, we pray that your word falls fresh on our hearts. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says... Amen. Our text today comes out of Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. You can follow along with me on the screens. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. Everybody say indignant. That's your word of the day. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I want to start off today by talking about greatness. Greatness. Now, greatness is a topic that comes up in seemingly every single sphere of our lives. And it's usually less conversation and more debate or argument. And like if you, if you watch sports at all, that's usually where you see it the most. So like everybody has an idea of, what, of who 
the GOAT is, the GOAT, or the greatest of all time. And you hear that a lot, the GOAT, they're not talking about an animal, it's an acronym, the greatest of all time. And there's, everybody has an opinion, an idea. Is it LeBron? Is it Kobe? Is it Jordan? It's Jordan. Um, <laughs> is, it, is, it, is Simone Biles the GOAT? Is Serena Williams the GOAT? Muhammad Ali once made a bold claim on television of being the greatest of all time. But he also made a claim that he was so fast, he could turn off the lights, get in bed under the covers, and fall asleep all before the room got dark. I don't know if we can trust that guy. <laughs> Maybe you're not into sports. That's okay. I've got something for everybody. See, because we, we have conversations about who's the greatest singer of all time? What's the greatest movie of all time? Who's the greatest actor, dancer, preacher? What's the greatest band or novel? Who's the, the greatest scientist that ever lived? What's the greatest school ever? And according to what we heard last week, and I would love to testify in agreement, that Korean fried chicken is the greatest of all time. See, the point is we love to talk about, argue about, and strive for greatness. But the problem is that the world's definition of greatness is a constantly moving target. The threshold for what makes something great is always changing. What was great yesterday is not necessarily still great today. And the biggest reason greatness has such an appeal for us is because it comes with some really incredible things. It comes with recognition. It comes with acclaim. It comes with fame and even a greater sense of value and worth. And this is exactly what we find James and John asking for in our passage. They come up to Jesus and they are asking not just for a seat next to him, but they're asking for the seats in the highest places of honor when he enters his glory. Now, one of the things I find really interesting, if you read verse 34, Jesus just explains everything that he's about to go through. He says, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be mocked, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be killed, and three days later, I'm going to rise again. James and John, immediately after hearing that, want to secure their place in his glory without having to endure all the grit. They want greatness and they want honor without having to deal with the humiliation and the shame that Jesus was going to have to encounter and endure on the cross. They wanted to be elevated to a position of greatness. They wanted to be recognized. They wanted to be known for what they've done. And if I can just be really honest with you, sometimes I read things like this from the disciples and I judge them real hard. Like, how dare you ask that question? <laughs> But I realized something as I was preparing for this this week. You know, when we have a request, when we have a desire, no matter how messed up or backwards or upside down it is, how counter it is to the ways of God, the best thing that we can do is bring it to Jesus, which is exactly what they did. Even though in their hearts was a, the wrong idea of what would make them great, they still brought it to the best possible place they could bring it, and they gave Jesus some space to answer what it is that they were asking for, and answer he did, and we're, we're going to unpack that in just a few minutes. When the other disciples hear that James and John have asked the question, the Bible says they got, what was the word? Indignant. They were not happy at all that, that James and John went up to Jesus and asked this question, but I realized that they weren't necessarily unhappy because it's like, oh, how dare you? That was so wrong. Like, you shouldn't be asking for those things. I think they were actually more upset and displeased because James and John beat them to the punch. 
They all wanted those particular seats. They were all striving for that particular type of greatness. And so they started to argue. Jesus hears them arguing. He says, hey, you know what? Just come, just come together. Let's, have a, let's talk. Let's have a conversation. And he points to the way of the world. And he points to the way the rulers and the authorities in the world around them rule and treat other people. He basically says this. They lord it over people. In other words, they think of themselves as better than everybody else. And they think of everybody else as a means to their own end. This is the way the world does things. When we look at our world today, it's not much different, is it? Our leaders, our politicians, uh, like everybody in any position of authority, in the cl- they're all acting as though everybody is a means to their own end. They lord it over people. This is the world's idea of greatness. And Jesus, with, with four words, gives you his perspective in, the, in verse 43. He says, not so with you. Not so with you. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Notice Jesus doesn't say, don't desire greatness that's bad. He does not rebuke them because they requested to be great. He hears them request greatness a particular way and he redefines it for them. He gives them, he gives them the kingdom view of greatness. In the kingdom of God, the ones who will be great are the ones who serve. In the kingdom of God, the ones who will be great are those who serve. This is why we have to approach service, serving the right way. He was pointing this out, not just, Jesus was pointing this out, not just to the 12, but to every believer who would ever come for all time. There is no exemption to what Jesus is saying here. There is nobody who is above what Jesus is saying here. If we are going to be followers of Jesus, then we have to take up the call to serve one another. See, the the discipline of serving is what helps us do it in a way that Jesus not only described, but also demonstrated. And I want to talk about that a little bit more. See, I, I I grew up in church from the time I was small, like Tiny. I was born in the front pew of my church, practically. And it meant that serving in church was always a regular part of my life. But I just want to be really clear. Not because I was some, like, loving Christian who was so other-focused. It was more, like, self-serving and convenient for me because it gave me an opportunity to, like, I could go hang out with my friends. Like, all right, hey, Dad, Mom, we're, we're stacking chairs at the church, but that would take five minutes and the other three and a half hours we're like just sitting around doing nothing. So after an event at church, we would, we would be responsible for moving all the chairs out so the next thing could come in. And there we were, me and my friends, turning it into a game. Let's slide the chairs across the floor and see if we can get them in just the perfect spot and determine who could do it best. For bragging rights more than anything else, of course. Um, and in the, in the course of doing that, what we would end up doing is scratching up the entire floor in the church. So what we counted as serving was, in fact, making more work for the next person to come behind us and fix. The other thing I always wanted to know, every time I was invited into serving anywhere, I had one really important question that I would ask without fail 100% of the time. Is there going to be food? (laughs) If you feed me, I will come. And... Like, so even my whole approach to serving as a, as a, as a young 
20-something, not even a kid, I was in my 20s doing this, was all about me. Like, how do I benefit from saying yes to this? And this is the thing to understand about true serving. True serving always leaves the one being served better off. So if you're serving and it's making things worse, that's not service. Like, you're not actually serving if what you are doing is not leaving who or what you're serving better off than when you got there. Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, outlines the difference between true serving and what what he calls self-righteous or self-serving service. And here's just a few of the differences between self-righteous and true service. First thing is this. Self-righteous service comes through human effort. True service comes out of a deepening connection with God. Like, I love that we're talking about this today in the context of a series on spiritual disciplines because there is nothing or there are a few things that will deepen your life with God the way that practicing and walking in spiritual disciplines will. Pastor Rich talked last week about meditating on Scripture, chewing on the Word of God, beholding His Word, and understanding the way that it intersects with your life and the way that it should change the way we move forward through meditating on it. Before that, Pastor Jackie shared about silence and solitude and the the role that that plays in helping us be in and understanding the presence of God and how he's leading and directing us. The spiritual disciplines will align your life in such a way that you can actually hear from God and understand the places that he is calling you to serve, to understand the ways that he is asking you to serve others. Self-righteous service is also, the next one is all about the big deal. Um, true service is most often found in the small things. See, a lot of times people have an idea that the bigger and, br- and better the opportunity, like, or the bigger and brighter the opportunity, the better it is for me. The more eager I am to serve because maybe there's recognition that comes with it. Maybe there's a pat on the back that comes with it. I've heard it said that if serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. I'd like to change that a little bit and say it this way. If small stuff is beneath you, then anything big is beyond you. Because it's in the everyday small things that we have the most consistent opportunity to serve. Self-righteous service is all about the big deal. True service is found in the small things. Next one, self-righteous service requires external reward. True service is content with being hidden. Again, the big deal, you always want praise. We always want recognition. We always want acclaim. We always want to be thanked. In fact, in fact, it expects being thanked. True service is content with not being seen. It's not afraid of attention. It just doesn't go looking for it. True service doesn't say, I will do this as long as people see me doing it. Like, hey, look at me, I'm sweeping the floor. Like, no, that's not, that's not what true service is about. It's content with being hidden. Um, it's content with the, the small things that often seem unimportant. The next one, self-righteous service, is subject to moods and whims. It's subject to how we feel, whereas true service serves simply because there is a need not about like I don't feel well today I don't feel like getting up I don't feel like helping somebody else I'm angry today so I'm just not going to do anything for anyone no it's just there is a need and regardless of how I feel in this moment I know that God has called me to fulfill the needs of people around me to look at others as though they are more important than I am to put the needs of others above my own and self and true service does that simply because there's a need 
And finally, self-righteous service fractures community, whereas true service builds community. When you're serving in a self-righteous way, it often looks to glorify the individual. It puts others in its debt. It's like, okay, well, I did this for you. It's like everything becomes quid pro quo. I do this for you, because, and then you're going to do this for me because I did this for you. And if you don't do something for me, I'm never going to do anything for you again. True service builds community. It lifts others up along the way. It quietly cares for the needs of others. And any time we put someone else's needs ahead of our own, we're entering into true service. The kind of service that Jesus says leads to his definition of greatness. Where do you see yourself on that list? Like, do you, do you hear these things and kind of say, oh, man, like, I've been serving that way, or that's kind of the way I approach things? It's not a judgment. It's not, like, to make you feel bad. But I think, I think if we're going to grow in this way, we need to be honest about how we approach this stuff. We need to be honest with ourselves so that we can present that honesty to God so he can start to bring about that transformation in our lives. But there's something else that the discipline of service produces in us, and it does it in a way, like I suggest to you, it does it in a way unlike anything else, like nothing else will produce this in you the way that service will. And that's humility. True service, the discipline of serving produces humility in us, more so than potentially any of the other classic spiritual disciplines. It is so crucial for us to grow in humility. Think about it for a second. You set out to do something solely for the good of someone else, you do it intentionally, it costs you something, it's hidden and no one sees it. Doing things that way is going to produce a change in you. It's going to bring about transformation in you. And it's the discipline of service being lived out that can lead us to that transformation. It can lead us to growing in humility along the way and becoming more aware of a deepening love for God, a greater joy in God, which ultimately speaks to our motivation. Like, why do we serve? Why is it that we should be doing this? Well, first of all, we're we're motivated, I feel, I believe, by, by three things. One is obedience to God. One is obedience to God. In John chapter 13, verses 13 to 15, this is right after Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. Um, It says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. In this moment, Jesus does the absolute unthinkable. He's their teacher. He's their Lord. If If they had a hierarchy or a pecking order or whatever, Jesus would be at the top of the top. And yet here he is, like foot washing was considered work for the lowest of the low in society. Like you, were, you knew where you were if you were the person washing feet. And yet here is Jesus, God incarnate, on the floor with a towel, washing the feet of his followers. And he says, pay attention to what I've done. I want you to do the same for other people. He's not just talking about it. Jesus is modeling it. And he's not saying, hey, this is just for you, for here, for right now. He's saying, I want you to go and do as I've done for you. My friends, the call to every single one of us is exactly that, to do for others what Jesus has done for us. 
to walk in this way of service, not just with the people who are immediately around us, but to every single person that we meet, everywhere we meet them, everywhere that we go. See, we're motivated by, by forgiveness and not by guilt. See, serving is not the thing that's going to save you. Jesus did that on the cross. Serving is not going to keep you saved. We don't, we don't have salvation by works. But it's service that will transform you to live and be more and more like Christ every day. It's a crazy idea, though, to think, to think of God as a servant. And yet that's who Jesus says he was. It stands in stark contrast to the perception that the world has of God as a dictator, doesn't it? And lastly, we're motivated by love. There is no greater fuel for service than love. In the great commandment, Jesus says there's two things, love God and love your neighbor. Both of those things play out best in service, service to God and service to your neighbor, putting their needs before our own. So here's my question. What does disciplined service look like for you? Are there ways to serve that even now as we sit here that you sense God is calling you, inviting you into right now? Donald Whitney writes, the ministry of serving is sometimes as public as preaching or teaching, but is most often as sequestered as nursery duty. And we need people in the nursery, y'all. <laughs> See, it may be as visible as singing a solo, but is usually as unnoticed as operating the sound equipment to amplify the solo. A huge shout out to our AV team, camera operators, sound people. Give it up, give it up. <laughs> but because I shouted them out, does that make their service not, real, not true? I don't, we don't have to get into that. It's another day. <laughs> most service, even that, even most service, even that which seems the most glamorous is like an iceberg. Only the eye of God ever sees the larger hidden part of it. So what would it look like for you? You go to work tomorrow, what does it look like for you to serve your coworkers? Even especially that one coworker who, man, that one coworker. You know, you know who I'm talking. Some of you thought of somebody immediately. <laughs> what does it look like to, to serve that person? Maybe it means getting somebody a cup of coffee or listening to someone vent frustration. Maybe it means picking up a shift for someone that just needs some time off. In our families, what does it look like to serve our families? Maybe that means giving your kids a ride when you, like, at some inconvenient time for you. Maybe, maybe it means a little extra around the house to help out or keeping a room clean or offering to watch your younger siblings. In your everyday coming and going, what does service look like? Maybe it means holding the door for somebody instead of like quickly pressing door close in the elevator when you see somebody coming, <laughs> or maybe it means listening to someone's story or buying food from a stranger, or how about this, returning the cart at the grocery store. Instead of leaving it in the parking lot, just go put it back, because you're still, you're serving somebody, you're serving a bunch of people when you do that. There are no shortage of ways that we can serve. We don't lack opportunity, we lack awareness. We are often so caught up and consumed in our own world that we, that we miss opportunities. We pass opportunities by every day to walk in this way, to serve in this way that Jesus is inviting us into. 
There are no shortage of ways that we can serve people. It's often found in the small things we have our eyes open to see the ways we can serve others. But I actually believe one of the best places we can serve is right here in our local church. Again, there are no shortage of opportunities to get involved in the things that are happening right inside these walls. You know, it, it, it gives us, serving in the church gives us an opportunity to experience community among the people we're serving with, but also community with the ones that we're serving. And so maybe God is impressing on your heart to, to get involved in a particular way. Maybe you're looking, like I, I have conversations with people all the time who say, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. A great way to discover your spiritual gift is to serve. Because sometimes in the course of you serving, you discover something that God has put, has put, has deposited in you to experience him and to show other people what he's like. So maybe that means you need to get involved with serving our teenagers or our kids in student and, and kids ministry. Maybe it means you get involved and serve as an usher for Sunday gatherings or getting involved in our community development corporation as we serve the homeless and the food insecure in our community. Maybe you want to lead a, a small group or teach a class with community life. Our, our AV team is always looking for people to operate sound and cameras. Um, the building team is always looking for people to come in and help clean or paint, put things back together. You can serve the people who are sitting next to you simply by praying for them. Just, hey, how, at the end of the service, can I pray for you real quick? How can I pray? Like, we'll have our prayer team, and that's all good, but, like, we don't need... So that, that's not exclusive to the prayer team. You can pray for somebody who's just sitting in the rows next to you. And that is a way that you can serve them. Maybe you can offer to help somebody move. Give them a ride. Give them your last piece of gum. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You've got one piece left and somebody asks you for gum and you're like, right back in the pocket. Now you're not getting my last. Give them your last piece of gum. That's a way you can serve somebody. The point is that there are no shortage of ways to get involved. The question is, are you willing? Are you willing to, to respond, not to like me standing up here or whatever, but so are you willing to respond to the way that Jesus is calling us to respond in his word? Are you willing to respond? Because this is the church that we're part of, and we're all invited. We're all invited in the same way to, that Jesus did to grab a towel and get serving. See, serving is the way to greatness that Jesus is inviting us into. I said before, it won't save you. Jesus, he did that. But we become more like him when we serve and when we serve faithfully in a disciplined way so that at the end of our lives, we can hear, well done, my good and faithful. Come on, you say it. Servant, my good and faithful servant. I'm going to call Kate and the worship team forward. I want to leave you with two things today. See, what if today was the start of something in our church? Like, what if today is the day that we can all point back to as the beginning of every ministry in our church being flooded with people who are hungry for an opportunity to serve somebody else? What if we built a culture of service so deeply in our church that every person who walks through the door not only feels it, but they experience it for themselves? See, if you're sitting here today and any of this is hitting you, I want to encourage you, reach out to a pastor, talk to somebody on your way out of the building. Um, pastor Jackie is probably going to have a, a, a more specific call for you at the end of the service. But don't leave without just walking up to somebody and saying, I want, I want to serve. I want to serve. 
Find, help me find a place I want to serve, and believe me, we will happily find a way to get you connected and get you plugged in. And finally, I just I want to leave us with a prayer. We're, we're all going to pray this prayer together. It's really simple. It's a prayer that you can pray as you move through your daily lives with the idea in mind of serving others. And so we're going to put it up on the screen, and we'll just pray this together. Lord Jesus, as it would please you, Bring me someone today whom I can serve. Amen. Let's stand and sing in response together. I give myself away. I give myself away so you I give myself away I give myself away so you Let's give Pastor Matt a hand. Now, I, I can almost hear some of you 
you know, oh, this is their way to get us to do X, Y, and Z, to get us to do this. To Look, this is not, yes, we do need people to serve here at New Life. But the issue is not about what we want you to do. The issue is what God has already put in you. And I guarantee you, I know for a fact that each and every one of you have been the beneficiaries of great service. I guarantee some of you are saying, no, I haven't. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Because God himself, God himself came to this earth as a person, the limit of being a man, crucified, lived this life, resurrected, and then brought the Holy Spirit to serve you. You have been the beneficiaries of the greatest service that mankind has ever seen and will ever see. So this is not about you. This is not about us coaxing. This is not about guilt. This is about what Pastor Matt said. God has put something in you. It's not what he put in me. It's not what he put in your neighbor. It's not what he put in the person down the street. It's what he put in you. We are the body of Christ. We are a people born out of service and destined to serve the world. It is who we are. Now, every, you don't have to do everything. Some of you, you don't have to do everything. But you, you don't do nothing either, right? We're all in this together. We are all in this together. And we need to do this together. So our ask of you is very specific. We're asking you to let us know where you think God is calling you to serve. And the way that looks is you go to our website, newlife.nyc slash next steps. You're going to scroll down. You'll find a next step card. You're going to go all the way to the bottom. You see questions or other ways you'd like to connect. And we want to hear from you. What is it God has put in you? Where do you think your gifts, where do you think that they could be of best use? And if you don't know, like Pastor Matt said, that's okay too. Say, I'm not really sure, but I would like to have a conversation and talk about how I can serve. This is not a cult. The fact that you fill out the form does not bind you for the rest of your life to doing anything. You get to have a conversation. But this is where transformation starts. It really does. It really does. I've been a small group leader in kids ministry. I've seen some of your kids from the time that they were little to the time that they've gone off to junior high school. I've sat in a circle with them, seen all the crazy things they say. I've laughed with them. Some days I'm like, ah, oh, another day of being in kids' ministry. You know what? There was never a time that I didn't realize I get an opportunity to participate in something that's really remarkable. And I mean that. It's remarkable to sit and look at a child and think, you know what, I could be doing something that this child remembers for the rest of their lives because I didn't have a small group leader. I wasn't in church as a child. Nobody gave up their time other than my parents and teachers, but nobody gave up their time to sit across from me in a circle. And some of you small group leaders are right here. You know what I'm talking about. To sit and give this child time 
to serve parents by being with their children and being a loving presence with their children. It's a gift to us to do that, not to the kids. It's a gift to us. It's a gift to the greater church. So I mean this really seriously, really seriously. Pray about this. If you don't know right now and you can't fill this out right now, we have the altar team after service. They're going to be right over here to my left. Ask them to pray with you. Help me to figure this out. I, I want to I answer this call, but I don't know. Get somebody to pray with you. Or maybe your neighbors, Pastor Matt said, will pray with you right here and now. Or at the service, if you don't want to fill out the form or it's complicated, come out and see us on the outside and just say, hey, I, I want to figure this out. I want to see what this could look like for me. There's a place for everyone. Everyone. So come, have someone pray for you. Those of you that are online, you know, we have the sermon discussion after service, so please participate in that. And as you're in that conversation and dialogue online, you can also participate. You can, you can go to the next step page, or you can say to the person that's hosting, the pastor that's hosting that time, say, look, I'd like to serve. Help me to figure out my next steps. Help me to figure out what that would look like for me. And then some of you that may be here or some of you that are watching online, you don't even know we're talking about this Jesus. It's like, I don't even know what that's about. Like, I don't even know who this Jesus is. I don't even know what that relationship is. And so what we want to ask you to do is be courageous. Take the step. Text yes to Jesus. It's on your screen. Text yes to Jesus. And we will reach back out to you and we'll help you to understand what that journey of a life with Christ looks like. And again, you get to ask questions. You get to not be sure. But step in. Take a risk. Take a risk and reach out to us. So the rest of you, we're going to close our service. I'm going to ask that you would open your hands. I'm going to pray for us. We want to be a blessing to the world. Amen? We want to be a blessing to the world. We want to fulfill the destiny that Jesus has for us individually and corporately. So brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, I pray that his spirit of peace would rest on you. I pray that the spirit with which you, Jesus, serve each and every one of us would ignite a passion, a passion in us to give out what we have been so freely given, that our service would come from joy, that it would be free, and we would allow you to transform our lives beyond our wildest, greatest dreams. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and I bless you. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week, everybody. We'll see you next Saturday, Sunday.